this morning. Although it was August, it was very cold. If you were fortunate enough to be below, you're all right. But if you, like myself, were unfortunate, you stayed on deck. In other words, there wasn't sufficient room for people to get below. We, ar we arrived at, at, at Boulogne, and then we proceeded. We disembarked, and then we moved from the docks to schools in Boulogne. But unlike the French and German forces, recruited by mass conscription, the British had only a small professional army of volunteers. They could muster little over 700,000 men. The German Kaiser disdainfully referred to the British Expeditionary Force, or the BEF as it was widely known, as a contemptible little army. Later, mockingly and proudly, the BEF referred to themselves as the Old Contemptibles. By the end of August, the French had some three million men reporting for duty, while Germany had over four million soldiers either fully prepared or in training. Thousands of young men like William Dove, Tom Mackindoe, and Reginald Hayne were caught up in the spirit of the times. War had been declared. And the following Sunday, I went with a friend of mine into Shepherd's Bush Empire to see the picture show there. And at the end of the show, they showed the fleet sailing the high seas and played um, Britain's Never Shall Be Slaves and Hearts of Oak. And you know, one feels that little shiver run up their back and you know you've got to do something. I was just turned 17 at the time. And on the Monday, I went up to Whitehall, new old Scotland Yard, and enlisted in the 16th Lancers. Seeing the picture of Kitchener, the finger was always pointing to you. A wonderful poster, really, and I think it assisted uh, recruitment. Well, I was uh, always a tall and uh, fairly fit lad, and uh, when I confronted the uh, recruiting officer, he said... Uh, that I was too young, although I'd, I'd said that I was 18 years of age. He said, well, I think you're too young, son. He said, you come back. He said, uh, come back another year or so. He, he didn't believe what I said. And um, I, I returned home. I never said anything to my parents. Uh, and I picked up my bowler hat which my mother had bought me and uh, which was only taken into wear on Sundays I donned that thinking that uh, it would uh, make me look older and uh, I presented myself to the recruiting office again to which this time there was no queries and I was accepted birth certificates were not asked for Although I had one, not with me, but I had one. My mother was uh, very hurt, hurt very much when I arrived home and told her on that particular night that I had to report to Mill Hill next morning. I was 16 in the June as, as the war broke out in the August. Well, my first reaction 
was more or less a blank because I really didn't think much about it. I was only just 18. Right at the start, I didn't think that it would affect me to any extent. In the city, I was an article clerk to a firm of chartered accountants, and I was due for a fortnight's holiday. And I went on that holiday just about August the 4th. When I came back from that holiday, I went back to the office on the Monday morning, and a friend of mine phoned up, and he said, what are you doing about the war? Well, I'd thought nothing about it at all. He said, well, I've joined my brother's regiment, which is the HAC. He said, if you like to come along, I can get you in. But lunchtime, I left the office, which was in Southampton Row, went along to Armory House, which is a city road, and there was this chap, my friend, waiting for me. There were a queue of about a thousand people right down the city road, but he came along the queue, and he pulled me out of the queue, and he said, come along. So I went right up to the front and into the gates, where I was met by a sergeant major at a desk, and uh, my friend, he uh, introduced me to the sergeant, and the sergeant said, are you willing to join? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, he said, how old are you? I said, I'm 18 and one month. He said, you mean 19 and one month? So I thought a moment. I said, yes, sir. He said, right, I will sign here, please. He said, you realize you can go overseas. And that was my introduction to the army. Little did Reginald Hayne dream that one day he would receive the Victoria Cross for Valour on a horrific field of battle. But young Private Sumter had fully expected war to break out. I no doubt about it, and the night they knew the war was coming. I mean, after all sudden, on the Entente Cordiale of 1910, they'd uh, uh, given the warning, and they had also the uh, example of the Germans from the Boer War, when the Germans suckered all the Boer prisoners, and and gave them cover and then released them afterwards and were absolutely anti-British in every respect. And also from the fact that, uh, that France joined up with Russia because they were scared of Germany. And, and then, of course, uh, they came the uh, Belgium Treaty, made Belgium neutral, and so Germany was ringed in. And all the time she was screaming out for, for Redmond's realm, and everybody knew that uh, she wanted to develop the Cameroons, and she couldn't come out into the English Channel without coming through the Scatigat or the Cataract, which could be boomed by our Navy, and they could be confined. Oh, yes, as a matter of fact, the whole of Britain knew there was going to be a war from the time that Edward VII went to Paris, and the big fuss they made, and everybody wanted to know what it was all about. And then, of course, when the news came out that France already had a treaty with Russia, and then the press was full of journals about the Belgium neutrality, that she was being sandwiched, so everybody knew that something was going to boil up. And yet the military people and the politicians would do nothing about it. They would do nothing about it at all. But the military people would. And that's why they were sending recruiting sergeants all over the country to recruit people. They would take anybody. You see, so you couldn't walk along the street without knowing about it. 
And so, of course, there was all the, the school uh, propaganda about Britain's never shall be slaves and land of hope and glory and all that sort of thing. And of course, everybody was patriotic. They didn't need to advertise when the war broke out. Of course, everybody joined up right away, volunteered. And they didn't bring in conscription until 1916, you know. Although most people believed that the Allies would be victorious within months, young men were pressured into joining up. Sometimes they were insulted in the street, or presented with white feathers to insinuate that they were cowards if they didn't enlist. Norman de Moot had only just left school in Croydon, south-east London. As well as being given white feathers, there was another method of approach. You would see a girl coming towards you, with a delightful smile all over her face, and you would think to yourself, my word, this is somebody who knows me. When she got to about five or six paces from you, she would suddenly freeze up and walk past you with a look of utter contempt and scorn. If she could have spat, she would have spat. She just did not do that. And that was far more hurtful than a white feather, because it made you curl up completely, and there was no reply because she walked on. Young writer Henry Williamson, however, had already enlisted with the Territorial Army. I was a young soldier of uh, 17, just before the war. I joined a Territorial Regiment for the sport and the boxing and swimming. And when, on the 3rd of August, 1914, mobilization orders came out, we were all very excited and apprehensive because the whole feeling in the air was one of anxiety at the same time...